Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Acts, the fourth chapter, verses 23 through 37. Let's talk a little bit about the background of this passage before we get to the reading. If you go back to Acts chapter 3, you have Peter going to the temple. He runs to a guy that's a beggar. The man is 40 years old. He is lame. He cannot walk. And instead of giving this man money, Peter makes the famous statement, Silver and gold have I none, but the name of Jesus Christ arise and walk. The guy miraculously is healed. He gets up. He praises the Lord. Then a sermon ensues. There's a crowd that gathers, so Peter doesn't waste this opportunity and explains to the crowd the power of Jesus and who Jesus is and preaches the gospel to them. There's an uproar because of the preaching. The temple authorities do not like it. They don't want this preaching. So Peter and John are arrested. They're brought before the Sanhedrin, the council of the Jews, the most powerful people of that time. They're commanded not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And then Peter makes the famous statement, there's no name under heaven in which men can be saved but Jesus Christ. And that's found in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. When we get to our story today, they have been released. They have been warned and they've been released. And now they gather together with God's people. So we get a snapshot into the church's reaction to the arrest of Peter and John. So let's pick up with our reading. Once again, this is Acts 4, 23 through 37. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, and said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed to the name of your holy servant Jesus." And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So as we go back, we notice that they come together in response to these threats, and they pray. Notice the content of the prayer of the church. 
First of all, the salutation of the Lord, sovereign Lord, creator of everything. And then they start to quote scripture. They quote from Psalm chapter 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? This is an Old Testament passage. They quote back to God. I want you to think about that in your own prayer life. This is an ancient practice that's been preserved in, in many quarters of the church. Some of you may do this already. If you think of the Book of Common Prayer and the Anglican tradition, it reflects this practice of praying Scripture back to God. Of course, adding your own prayers to that, but speaking God's Word back to God. And, and how would that shape your prayer life if you're reading Scripture devotionally, maybe the Psalms, and you read some of the praise of the book of Psalms, and you use that praise back to God, God's own inspired word. Think of it this way. If you had a relationship with someone, and all you ever did was ask and request the things that you want, but you never listened to that other person, that would be kind of a one-sided relationship. And that's a really probably limited example, because we're talking about the sovereign creator of the universe, but we need to listen to God in his word, and allow his word to shape our prayer life. Now let that sink in. What would it look like if your prayer life was shaped by scripture? Would your request to God change? Once you got in tune with what God really wants, don't you think your prayer life should match up with what God wants? Of course you've got your own requests and there's nothing wrong with asking God for what you need or bringing your problems before him. But I do think a powerful prayer life reflects God's will. And why not try praying God's words back to him, as Christians have done for centuries? Notice, they realize that all of this is part of God's plan. God is in control. He is sovereign Lord over all. There's no need to fret or worry because God is powerful. Notice they don't ask for the persecution to go away. They ask for boldness. They ask for courage. And maybe sometimes our prayer life is like that or should be like that. God, if you could take this cup from me, God, if I could have peace among all people, I pray for that. But if not, give me courage. Think of this. What's more important, safety and security or courage? It's a really good question. I think the age-old thing that you need is courage. Of course, you want safety and security, but courage and valor it's something you should always want. And as a Christian, we're called to be courageous. Notice the effects of the prayer. The place where they are gathered shakes. When God's people come together in prayer, powerful things happen. We see in the book of Revelation that the prayers of God's saints come up before the Lord like incense. We see in the book of Revelation the prayers of God's people change the situation upon earth. And I do believe our individual prayers are powerful. I also believe our collective prayers are powerful, that when we come together as God's people and pray, things happen. Maybe that's how we go about and practice spiritual warfare, is praying. Now also notice the communal aspect. Let me say this from the outset. There's some silliness that goes on out in the world that says the church was socialistic and communistic. That's not true at all. This is not compulsory. You know, communism, you don't really get a choice. Uh, some governmental authority, whoever that angel is, uh, some unbiased governmental authority, you have to laugh thinking about that, 
comes in and takes your possessions from you and redistributes it to other people. This is not what's happening in Acts. People, people are willingly bringing their possessions to the apostles. You'll see later the sin of Ananias and Sapphira is they lie. It's not that they didn't sell everything, it's they just were dishonest about it. So people, as they want to do this, buy and sell or sell their possessions and give it to the poor. Also, here's one thing to think about in the book of Acts. I'm not belittling what they did, and I'm not saying that Christians should not be like this and try to help one another. But in Acts, you have a very unique situation where you have a lot of people from all over the Roman world have come, they've heard the gospel preached, and they stayed behind. So you have a lot of people that, that need help getting on their feet. You also have a very poor community in Jerusalem, too. Later in the epistles, we get some guidelines on benevolence. This is not just some free distribution you just give people, and eventually their situation becomes worse because they have bad habits when it comes to finances. We see later in Paul's epistles where Paul says, if a man will not work, he shouldn't eat. In other words, if you have an able-bodied person that's able to work and there's work out there, they should be working. And also there's some parameters for helping people in which if there's family to help first, the family should step in and help this person. But in Acts, you've got a situation where people have come from all over the world. They probably don't have family there, and maybe there's not work opportunities at this point. And so the church is trying to help these people. So there's certain principles when it comes to benevolence in Christians that work is dignified and good, and if you're able to work, you should. Really, benevolence begins with the family. The family should try to take care of, of its own first. And then these issues come to the church uh, for, for help. So that's just something to keep in mind as you look at this. But also we're introduced here at the end to a guy named Barnabas. And so Acts is not wasting words here. Barnabas is going to become a major player in the book of Acts. Here's this guy. He's a Levite. So think about that. He comes from a priestly class. And he is going to go with the Apostle Paul later. He has a, a cousin named John Mark that you'll hear more about too that's part of his family. But Barnabas will be one that will go with Paul on his missionary journey. So things are getting set up here. We're going to see persecution is going to come upon the church and this group that's there in Jerusalem will be scattered. It won't stay there. So these people will go uh, into other parts of the empire taking the gospel with them like Rome in particular. People from probably uh, from Jerusalem will go back to Rome and plant a church there, and Christianity will flourish there in Rome. So they're going to go all over the place. So from our reading today, we notice some really important points. We see God's people praying, praying Scripture back to God, praying for courage. We see how prayer changes things. We see God's response to their prayer. And if we want to have changes in this world. We need to be praying people. We also see this benevolent church and some of the, we talked a minute ago about some of the guidelines for benevolence in Christianity, what scripture teaches and other places too. But we see a very generous church that when grace, great grace comes, when the grace of Jesus Christ comes, we start to care for other people. That's one of the signs of, of grace is we care about the needs of others. Well, I hope you've learned a few things from our reading today. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm so thankful you've going through the readings with us this week, and uh, we are getting ready for uh, the weekend, for our services Sunday, and then on Monday, we'll come back to Psalm 51, so if you want to read ahead, that'll be our psalm on Monday. 
God bless, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend.